Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about hotel rooms. Are they a good investment? Now, this comes from a listener of the show, Joe, who messaged it on Instagram and asks, would you consider doing a podcast on hotel rooms as investment? Was just reading the latest article by Safari Group on hotel rooms and informed investor and wondering what Andrew and Ed think about these investments. Thanks for messaging in, Joe. So let's do this episode. Are hotel rooms, borders investments, any good? Now, what sort of properties are hotel rooms, Andrew? Are they growth or are they yield? Okay, they're definitely not growth. They are a yield product, so they're designed for a higher yield, but they will have very low capital growth compared to a house or a townhouse. So it impacts on who they're the right fit for, but we'll cover that shortly. So it's considered a commercial asset rather than a residential one, and that will also impact the amount of lending you can get and often the structure of the lending. Okay, so what does a hotel room cost to buy? So since you've asked about Safari Group and we like them, well, let's talk about them. So they're a developer who primarily focuses on investor products. So they build hotel rooms and they often have apartments within them. So at the moment, they're selling two projects, one in Ellerslie, which featured on The Deal, in case anyone hasn't seen that. The That's deal in Auckland, right? That in Auckland, Ellerslie in Auckland. And you can see that on, it's episode three of The Deal, www.thedeal.co. And one Only in, old people say www. before that. You can just say thedeal.co. HTTP colon slash. <laughs> the look. And then one in Parnell, which is in central Auckland. So the price in Ellerslie is $252,680. And the one in Parnell is 313,933. They need to round these numbers, don't they? Now, do you know what I was thinking? Because I also looked at those. It was like, okay, 253K, call it in, 314K. Why have they got such random numbers? And I think it's because they target these to attract a certain yield. Right, okay, because the yield's exact here. So the rent on Ellerslie is 15 grand. The rent in Parnell is 17,819. So the yield for Ellerslie works out to be 5.9% and Parnell works out to be 5.7%. Now, remember, these are just for the cheapest hotel room. So it's just a hotel room, no kitchenette, no lounge space. So they're pretty affordable and the gross yields, let's face it, they're pretty attractive. Yeah, they're definitely on the high side. That's what we'd expect to see for a dual key apartment, say. And those others are just for the cheaper one. There are other hotel rooms available within both of those complexes. So there are things like just the hotel room, which we've just talked about. Then we've got studios. So a studio is like a single room with a, a kitchenette and bathroom, maybe a, a space for a small two-person dining room table, but you know, not much more. You could also invest in a one-bedroom hotel room. So that's the bedroom plus a separate lounge. And then also in Parnell, they've got like what they call the one bed deluxe. That's like a, a one bedroom where there's the bedroom and the lounge, but much more room. So one question that I know a lot of people ask, Andrew, is does the price include the furniture? I think so. I think it includes the furniture pack in this instance. Okay. So let's talk about the range of prices there. In the Parnell one, that's the more expensive one. The price ranges between 314k up to 430k. And all of the gross yields are about 5.7%. So that's why I was saying the price is reflective of the rent that comes yes. in rather than how many people want to happen to buy a hotel room at any given point, like it is with the residential property market. So they're using what we call the commercial method, where they're using a capitalization rate or a cap rate in order to set these prices. On the Ellerslie one, now that's the cheaper version, about 250k up to 360k is what it costs to buy a hotel room, all about 
5.95%. So definitely on the cheaper side compared to if you were to buy a two-bedroom townhouse or if you were to buy a four-bedroom standalone house or a three-bed standalone house. So obviously, because you're just buying a hotel room within a bigger complex, it is going to be cheaper, pretty substantially so with that starting out from 250-odd K. Now, a big question that people have is, how does the rent work and how does the lease work? Yeah, so it's structured a bit differently with Safari Group as what you might see from other hotel room options around there. So some hotels will just give you a percentage of the rental income generated from the people actually staying in the room or within the group. So sometimes they might have a pool of rooms and they say, look, everyone's going to share in it. If your room's vacant, but the other one's got someone in there, then, you know, it all averages out. But for Safari Group, you actually get a fixed annual income no matter how many times someone stays in the property or if they don't at all. And I think there's a really important difference and definitely why I'd recommend this as an option for the people that it's right for rather than alternatives. The actual hotel chain is your tenant and I can't remember the name of the they do a lot with Ramada, Ramada but the ones that they're currently selling are for LQ or La Quinta. Yep, yep, that's right. And they'll initially take out a 15-year lease and then have three five-year rights of renewal. So what that means is you've got a guaranteed fixed lease for 15 years. Awesome for someone that's wanting a guaranteed income. And then potentially it could be for another 15 years and they're just going to renew that on a five-year cycle. Cycle, thank you. So that was what about rental increases in that case? Because 15 years is a long time. Absolutely. Well, the first three years, the rent is flat, which I don't think is unreasonable in these uncertain tourism times. And then it increases by 2% a year, which is inflation on a normal year. And every five years, there is a market rent review. So if the market rent has gone up by 20% over that period, but you've only had two increases of two, then you get a big increase at that five-year mark. And then it goes up by 2% a year from thereafter. Until you get to the next five-year rent review. Now, it is important to notice, though, that those numbers are much lower than what you would get in the residential property market, because we know over the long term, rents tend to increase, depending on which data you look at, somewhere between 4 to 5% per year, and you can put it up regularly, whereas this is automatic, but also at a very low rate until you get to that catch-up. Now, a big question you're probably wondering as well is, okay, the yields are pretty attractive on these, the entry price is low. What's the capital growth like? Well, unfortunately, there's no strong data that I can point to and say from a reputable data source like a CoreLogic or a Ryan's and say, there we go. But I would say you'd expect there to be some capital growth like there is with all different types of assets. And why would that be? Just think about it for a second. Why would we expect some value increase? Because the rent's going up. The income's going oh, up. Oh, Andrew, you gave it away. Well, I wanted no them to think about here. it. Nobody else answered, so you jumped <laughs> in. That's right, because the rent is increasing by 2% a year. And as we said, these are seen as commercial products. So the value of the property is based on the rent it achieves. So two things could potentially happen. If investors start to accept lower gross yields, or if you see your rent increase, that's where the value of your hotel room will go up. We also said that the rent's only going up by 2% a year after it gets adjusted. So not a lot, right? So 2% a year, yeah, okay. But 
if you could get, say, 5% a year in residential, that's much higher. So that is why we say hotel rooms are primarily yield-based products as opposed to a growth-based product. Okay, so that's the capital growth, but what does the cash flow look like? And yep, I've used our good old return on investment spreadsheet. So I've put in the cheapest property in Owsley and actually the Parnell ones, Andrew. And what's important to note is there's no property management, there's no insurance. Well, that's covered by body corporate, right? That's right. We do have body corporate in there. But all of the other stuff taken out and no property management because you're renting to the hotel room. Now, let's look at the cash flows. You can see here that if you're doing it at 100% lending on the standard assumptions you would have for, say, a residential property, you know, the cash flow initially, yep, sure, it's negative like everything else at higher interest rates, but becomes more positive more quickly when you're doing 100% lending. Now, can you spot what I've missed out? Can you spot what mistake I have made if I was just doing this at home? Well, my friend, it seems what you've missed here is you've got an interest-only mortgage. This is probably going to be a commercial loan, so it will be over a 15-year period, and it will probably be amortised over 15 years. What does that then look like? Okay, that's a very good point. So because it's a commercial property, unlikely we're going to get interest-only, so we've got to put it on principal and interest. On top of that, probably we've a got higher a, interest rate. Yeah, and only on 15 years. Now, what would be a realistic interest rate? Five and a half, call it, and, okay. and use a 15-year P&I term. Okay, <laughs> and you know what? Just to keep things you know, simple, I'm not going to change all my other interest rates. Now, oh, look what's happened here, Andrew, when we've put that into the spreadsheet. Negative cash flow quite substantially. And look, that money's going down to pay down principal because over the 15 years, you have to have paid off that loan. But it's something to consider that, hey, it might not be the right yield product if you are going to be borrowing on it. And this is probably why I'd say this is probably better for someone that's got 300 grand sitting in the bank and what someone that wants to get a certain return on that. Well, that's I'm glad you pointed that out because when I've run the numbers with buying this with just 100% cash, you can see it does provide a pretty healthy cash flow on an ongoing, a year. ongoing basis. It starts out at 10 grand a year and then in inflation adjusted terms comes down to about 8 grand a year over time. But yeah, pretty decent return. What was the purchase price on that? Sorry. That was 250 odd K. Two, so 10 grand Divided by 250. Are you trying to calculate the net yield? Yeah, the net, net 4% yield, which is about, exactly what we target for a yield-based product. Well, it's more 3.7%. <laughs> so it's okay. Could be slightly better, but it's a decent option. So what we need to do now, Andrew, is let's go through the pros and cons of investing in a part. Okay, pros, interest deductible. It's commercial, and in this case, it's new. Low entry price. I mean, it, not many investments you can get into for 300 grand. It's a good gross yield. And one of the little bonuses is that you get 10 free nights a year, so you could say to yourself if you want to. And one of the big ones, I think, is that there's no Overseas Investment Act restrictions because it's commercial and it's a hotel room. So anyone can buy them. You're not impacted by the foreign buyer's ban. Yeah, and actually, so if we think about the other day, we talked about a Kenyan investor who wanted to put their money in property in New Zealand. What was his name? Well, we didn't give him a name. I feel like we should give him a name, actually, this investor. Of course, we can't say his real name. Let's just call him Clark. So Clark from Kenya. Kenyan Clark. Yeah, that's right. So Kenyan Clark (laughs) wants to come in and buy a good quality property because he knows what one looks like. And he decides to buy one of these hotel rooms. Well, he can do that because there are no overseas investment office restrictions. 
Now, the cons, lower capital growth, so this isn't going to be something you buy if you're wanting long-term wealth. Limited resale market because you're only ever going to sell this to an investor. This is not going to be something that an owner-occupier is going to buy and move their family into. They're not going to be able to. And probably one of the biggest is you've got less leverageability. So it's commercial. You can only leverage 50%. It's probably going to be that you're debt-structured in quite a heavier repayment way. So probably better for people with cash in my opinion. So that is a really important part. 50% deposit or 50% equity is what you're going to need in this. Let me just give you a really good example of what that is. Let's say you want to buy a $300,000 hotel unit. Because it's 50% deposit, how much do you have to borrow against your own home? Yep. 150k. Well, what else could you do with 150k of usable equity? That's the equivalent of buying a 750k new build townhouse or new build standalone house if you can get one in your area for that. So the same amount of equity, 150k, and your options are hotel room or a 750k townhouse or standalone house. Now, if you were to assume 5% capital growth on both of those assets, after 15 years, you'd have made 324k from your hotel room for your townhouse or standalone house you would have made 800k so the townhouse or the the standalone house in this case investing in a, a residential product made you almost half a million dollars more and there's actually good reason to think that that hotel room might not get as much capital growth in the future so andrew just walk us through who are hotel rooms the right fit for and who are they the wrong fit for? I think for overseas investors, if you're caught out by the Overseas Investment Act and you want to invest in New Zealand, this could be a good option. That's for you, Clark. For investors who are at the crossing the finish line stage of their journey and yield-focused investors who don't have a lot of cash left over. For example, you've got $1.3 million to invest. You might buy one jewel-key apartment, which might cost you a million bucks, and a hotel room. And probably also the other one is, if you're the kind of person that's got a bit of cash, so if you're an older investor with some cash, then great. Wrong fit for investors who are running the race and still need to build up their equity. And what I mean by that is investors who are wanting to build up their equity and, and grow their assets, hotel rooms aren't going to be the best way to do that. So just hopefully that answered your question and anybody else if you've got a question you want us to answer on the show you know Instagram or text us on our number 5522 it's a really good way to ask your question right let's wrap it up there but please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast it really does help us get the best chat to more people listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the use of the property market. Until next time.